So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with, with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is God's word. Please be seated. And God bless uh, Kyle as he delivers the message that you've given him for this congregation on this day um, and at this time. Be, be in both his speaking and in our hearing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> Wasn't that beautiful? Um, that scripture that we heard and the demonstration of God's love um, in a very hard time in our world. Thank you, friends, for being faithful, for being generous. Um, and, and for those of us who are, who are still trying to wrap our minds around what it means to be a Christian, and we're just sort of in our own world, in our own head a lot, I pray that this morning we, we get a glimpse into what the kingdom of Christ can look like. Um, when we just get, get outside of the day-to-day dramatic things that happen to us personally that God can use his use us now and in his kingdom now um, I feel like this mic might be a little loud I think I don't know if you turned it up for Pat because she's smaller than me I'm just hearing a little feedback I don't want it to start whining <clears throat> but um it's so great to be with you all this morning I um I hope that um, we had a, um, a way that we could serve our community this past Thursday and we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. And we're doing it again, not this Thursday, but next Thursday. And um, if you're just hearing about this now, it's a, basically we're working with the Parks Department. And um, we're, just, we're just loving on our community. We're showing them a movie. We're bringing our bounce houses, things like that. Um, we've, we shared um, scriptures, um, Bibles with them. Um, just, just talked to a lot of people, got to know people's names and build trust. And if you want to um, participate, we hope that you can come on the next one. There's a card, I think. There's some cards left over. But the next one is um, August 5th, I think, Thursday night, August 5th. So hope that you can enjoy, uh, enjoy that time with us then. Um, we're going to, um, do you guys like hear that? It is? I've just never heard that before, that whining. Oh, yeah, some like machine? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, well. It's not me. I'm not just. I'm not. I'm not having an inner ear thing happen up here. <clears throat> okay. Last week we um, were in um, the book of Galatians in chapter five. We were planning on having a welcome back service. We were going to be in Hebrews this morning, and um, 
and we obviously just kind of looked at the weather and we thought let's postpone it till next week and um, we'll have a great time doing that next week but last week we continued in Galatians chapter 5 where Jesus was teaching from Matthew um, uh, what well, I had mentioned that um, Jesus had a teaching in Matthew chapter 13 um, I'm sorry that's just really distracting me I think it might be this It is. <laughs> and maybe um, turn mute these two. Oh, look at that! Ah. <laughs> okay, it wasn't a um, a lawnmower. Okay. So last week um, we reviewed uh, because we've been going through the book of Galatians chapter five, and last week we reviewed a teaching on the kingdom of heaven where Jesus said in Matthew chapter thirteen that a farmer went out to sow his seed. And other seed, um, it says, fell on good soil where it produced a crop of 160 and 30 times what was sown. The kingdom of God is fruitful. It's life-giving. Scripture says that the kingdom of God, by the way, isn't um, 100 or 1,000 years from now when Jesus returns. That is the, the final um, um, entrance of God's kingdom perfectly and fully. But it says it's introduced at the resurrection of Christ. The kingdom of God, in other words, is now. The kingdom of God is God breaking into our world and setting it to right. All that's wrong with it. All that's, that's sort of confused in us, the kingdom of God breaks through to set it right. Jesus also said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it was the smallest, smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. In other words, when the kingdom of God breaks through into our hearts, it starts blessing other people. Birds start receiving the fruit from it right? That's the, the, the analogy here. Also, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down in the lake and caught all kinds of fish, growth, life, fruit, product, productivity, right? That's the kingdom of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings the ruling kingdom, that which is everything that is good, perfect, and true about God, he brings that kingdom of Christ into us right now by faith and transforms us now. Isn't that great news? The gospel of Jesus plus nothing. We, we've talked about this all throughout the series in Galatians, that we are saved by grace, um, by grace through faith in the work of Jesus Christ plus nothing else. Not coming to church, not praying for longer than other pe people pray for. We, we are saved by his grace and mercy. Right? <clears throat> the gospel of Jesus plus nothing, when we understood it and believe it, that what this is saying produces a fruit in us, a crop of 160, 30 times what is sown. It's a mustard seed that when we put trust in Christ, we begin to grow. And although it looks small, we become a great tree. You see, friends, that's what God is doing through his spirit in his people. Not just one fish do we catch, but a whole heap of fish. Friends, this is the purpose of our faith in Christ. It is momentous and cumulative growth. Now, I'm not just talking about a church becoming a bigger church. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit reigning more fully and completely in our hearts, pushing out everything that is not Jesus. That's the kind of growth I'm talking about. And by the way, if we do grow numerically, we want it to happen because that's happening in us. 
Because otherwise, it's just us figuring out how to get people here. Not necessarily the Holy Spirit filling us with his love and kindness and occupying us with his presence. You see, last time we were in this passage, we discussed that there exists in every believer the new spiritual nature, that which God has made alive in us. We were blind, but now we see. Christ is Lord, right? My, my home is not here. It's not this present place. God's Spirit himself occupies every believer's heart, renewing their spirit so that we love the Lord Jesus Christ and we desire to follow him wherever he leads us. You see, that is the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does for us. Yet, we taught last week, there also remains in us this continued to de desire to feed the old nature, the flesh. There remains, um, though it is destined to eventual failure, our flesh, our sinful nature. And that old self was formally completely deceived into thinking that we could save ourselves. That what our Savior should be isn't Jesus Christ, but something else in life, some accomplishment, something to say that I was worth it, that I was great. Look what I did. Right? That's our functional Savior, and we continue sometimes, even as Christians, to revert back to that, to save ourselves, to think that we're great because of some accomplishment instead of Christ's. You see? So there's a better way, though. There's a better way than the, the way of the flesh, which is miserable. It's characterized by all sorts of dysfunction. You guys have been there, right? So have I. Get in line. Join the club. We've all said, okay, flesh, it's your turn. And we all know the outcome of that, don't we? You see, friends, life in the flesh is miserable. It's characterized by all sorts of dysfunction. We talked about that last week. But there's a better way. There is life in the spirit. And what I mean by spirit is by the presence of God himself. There is, there is a way in which we can know the presence of God and live out his will and purpose for our lives every single day. We don't have to continue on with struggling with that pet sin or doing that pet behavior. We can have victory and be used by God Almighty. You see, that's why he saved us. Walk by the Spirit, it says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, I don't know. This thing is too hard. I can't overcome it. I've struggled with this for years. Well, friends, there is hope. Amen. Nothing, nothing cannot be... All, let me say it like this. All things through the power of Jesus Christ, can be overcome. You are not doomed to any particular habit of sin or fleshly appetite. You can have the victory. You see, the, this idea that you can't, that it's just human nature, is a lie from Satan meant to keep you slow and crippled. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That conflict between the old way and the new way, between death and life, can be won. You can have the victory, friend. So I want to talk about the life in the Spirit that God calls us to, each and every one of us, if you believe in Jesus Christ this morning. And the first thing I want to talk about this life in the Spirit has to do with a contrast or a comparison. The contrast, that is, between the Spirit and the flesh. Now, what you might have noticed in the Scripture as we read it, it's a very simple observation, but it's an important one. The way of the Spirit, and here it is. You ready? This is what I paid $20,000 for. Um, in seminary. The way of the Spirit is better. 
Isn't that just kind of like a Captain Obvious observation? When you read through this passage of text, the implication is, why would you live in the flesh? Why would you live in sexual perversion and hate and jealousy and envy? That's not fun, right? That's not productive. That's not helpful. That is miserable, right? The way of God, his will for our lives is better. It's happier. It's more life-giving. It's the real peace that we've been looking for and searching for. I, I like this, um, this part because it's just, does this need to be said? I kind of felt like this when I read this in Galatians. He says, you're not supposed to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> oh, okay, there's my problem. I didn't realize that. I just can't do whatever the heck I want, right? This means, though, if you think about it, this means that we are naturally inclined to do things that hurt us and others. Isn't that amazing? That's what sin does to us. That's the lie of Satan. Denying ourselves, for example, the freedom of sexual gratification. We think, oh, that's fun. A free kind of sexual experience with whoever I want to have it with. That's great, we think in our flesh. It might seem to us like a bummer that we have to deny ourselves these things. But the amazing claim here is that if you want real, lasting pleasure and joy and peace, you're not going to find it by hopping in and out of different people's beds. And friends, I think some of us know that by experience. We think this freedom, joy, and life and just kind of doing whatever we want, but then what we find is that it just leads to death and destruction and that God was right all along, right? You find lasting pleasure and joy. You know where it says you find it? In scripture, at God's right hand. Psalm chapter 16. The, the self-denial of personal fleshly desires leads to life. That is the claim of scripture. And the joy of the spirit in a way that we never would have experienced had we not sought him. Had we, we never would have experienced the sort of peace and love and pleasure had we continued simply jumping into a new girl or new guy's bed or abandoned our marriage to try happiness on someone else. Friends, life in the spirit is better. Life in the love relationship with God and his person will transform everything else in our lives. So life in the spirit is better. That's the contrast. But number two, it's a process. Oh, isn't that true? It's a process. Now let's talk about this because this is important. It's implied by the use of the word fruit, the fruit of the spirit. Do you know that? Notice that? Now when it was talking, we talked about this last week, it talked about the works of the flesh. And now all of a sudden it's, it's, it's changing the word. It's not the works of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. And it's significant. It's important. Paul intentionally change it, changes it from works to fruit for a reason. And here's why. The spirit-filled life is gradual. Right? In other words, you don't believe in Jesus Christ and poof into this awesome maturity. Instantly. You see, sometimes, not sometimes, but all the time, it's growth. It is gradual. And sometimes you can't even see it. But it's happening. You don't see fruit growing, do you? I want you to go find an apple tree after church. Find an apple on it. 
and just stare at it. People think you're nuts. What are you doing? I'm trying to see it grow, see it grow right? It just doesn't work like that. I have an apple tree in my backyard, and I can't watch that apple grow. But if I take a picture of one today, and I come back three weeks from now, and I take another picture, I'm going to notice a growth that I wouldn't have noticed if I just stayed there staring at it. The growth of the spirit is gradual and sometimes slow, and sometimes we wonder, is it even happening? You ever been there? But friends, by faith in Jesus Christ, the growth is happening gradually. The process of spiritual formation, then, the life of the Spirit is gradual. But let's point this out. It is inevitable. Let me explain. There's a story about a man um, who, when he died, he was put under this large marble slab, right? You know how they used to just really do burials well? a hundred years ago. Well, <laughs> um, he, this guy was buried in this tomb under this large marble slab. And somehow, a little, little bitty piece of acorn got in there with him. Right? And you know what happened? The, the acorn slowly, gradually, grew. And it got bigger, and it got bigger, and no one noticed it, and eventually that little acorn broke that marble slab in half. Little teeny piece of little seed got in there with him, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it out-muscled a piece of marble. Now, you'd, you'd think, you know, you, you put a seed on the, on the side of a, a big marble slab, you know, any day, that, that marble slab's winning, right? It's stronger, it's tougher. Isn't that true? Saved, friends, this is the principle. Saved people, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible sends you his spirit in you, and that means your growth is inevitable. The spirit is eventually going to break through the hard marble slab of your flesh. You think it's impossible. You think it's too dominant. My desires for things I shouldn't even want are just too strong. Friends, the spirit is stronger. Those genuinely converted to Jesus Christ by faith will, will inevitably, and, and although gradually, produce fruit. And you'll see it. So the process of spiritual life, then, is gradual, it's inevitable, but it's rooted. Okay? What, this is what I mean by this. No roots, no fruit. Okay? Trees don't grow fruit by trying to grow fruit. Did you, know that, did you know that about a tree? It's not like, ah, apple. See what I did? No, trees grow, apple trees grow apples because they are apple trees by nature. So how does an apple tree grow apples? Apple trees grow, grow apples by being healthy. Not by trying to grow fruit. By, by having, in other words, roots that are dug deep in the dirt, that are sucking up water, right? So they don't grow apples by trying to grow apples. They grow apples by sucking up water. Isn't that true? So what's the principle here? Friends, you don't grow in the spiritual life by trying to be more patient and more kind and more gentle. You grow, that fruit grows naturally from you when you, when you see Jesus and your love for him increases, see? He is the root. 
when you're grafted into the root, when Christ is the object of your affection and worship, what happens is you naturally, your spirit man, naturally just starts popping out love fruit and mercy fruit and gentle fruit and patient fruit. You see? When you love Christ, it translates automatically. <clears throat> you see, because our spiritual life is rooted in Christ. To be in Christ is to, is to possess his life and produce his fruit. So, friends, we don't confuse the fruit with the root. The fruit of the spiritual life is not, makes, is not what makes you right with God. This is important, okay? God doesn't accept you into heaven and forgive you of your sin because you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and gentleness. That's the fruit. The root is Christ. He accepts you because of the work of Christ. And because you're in Christ, it produces fruit. You see? So don't confuse the fruit with the root. The root of salvation is Christ. The fruit of salvation is the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus does this. To be grafted in to the root of Jesus means that we will produce fruit. And the fourth part of the process of life in the Spirit is that this fruit growth is inclusive. Let me explain to you what I mean. Paul talks about the fruit, singular. Did you notice that? The fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. When he talks about the works of the flesh, it's plural, works. But here, he says this is the fruit of the Spirit, and then he names nine different things. Now, either Paul's bad at grammar, or he means something by this. What happens is, you get the principle here is, to be in the Spirit is if you have one, you have them all. You're not just love, but but loving but impatient, is the point. See, the fruit of the Spirit is all of these things. The process of spiritual life means you don't just possess love and joy, but you don't possess peace. You do not have the fruit of the Spirit <clears throat> of love, yet you remain impatient with everybody. See? They come together. All of the various traits described, those nine fruits of the Spirit, are inclusive to the one fruit of the Spirit's presence in your life. It's what he produces. And this is when the Holy Spirit comes, this is the renewal that he brings. And you can, you can be naturally, um, your temperament, I guess is what I mean, can be, be sort of naturally kind of a calm person. Nothing really kind of gets you upset. But you might be a little bit of a jerk sometimes. Right? So you, in other words, you, can, you might have peace, but maybe you're not gentle. You see? And you can't say, well, I'm good at this fruit, but not that fruit. Te temperamentally, we might demonstrate some of the fruits of the Spirit, but not all of them. Does that make sense? But friends, life of the Spirit knows a sort of symmetrical and inclusive experience of them all. Now, I want you to um, picture, picture in your mind sort of nine, nine boats sitting like in a harbor, right, docked somewhere, the harbor. They're all kind of close together. What happens when, when the tide comes in? They all rise, don't they? When the, time, when the tide goes out, they all sort of recede. When the tide comes in, you don't see like eight of them sink and then one goes up. They all come up. You see, friends, what this means is that when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit occupies our hearts, all of the nine fruits go up. You see? They go up together symmetrically in time with each other. The Spirit is like the tide 
giving to us a, a sense of his love, his joy, his peace, patience, kindness, etc. <clears throat> so, okay, life in, the, life in the spirit, we saw is contrasted. It's better than the flesh. That's the process. What's the description? How does the Bible describe life in the spirit? These are the nine fruits of the, the spirit. I'm going to blast through these as fast as I can, so I apologize um, for how fast I'm about to go. You ready? Okay. The first is love. This is what grows on the Holy Spirit tree in your heart, okay? The first is love. Love in Scripture is to serve a person for their good and because they are important, right? Not because of how they make you feel about yourself or what they might provide for you. You serve them for them. The counterfeit of love is lust or infatuation. And the opposite of it is fear or self-preservation. That's love. That's the love that's being talked about in Scripture, okay? The second is joy, which is delight in God. We, are, we, we as Christians have a delight, a daily delight in the fact that we know God and God knows us. We understand who he is and we are the objects of his favor, so we get joy from this. The counterfeit of joy, of, of spirit-filled joy, is a, cer a certain like happiness or elation because things are going good for you. You know what, you know what I mean by that, right? The opposite of joy is hopelessness. So this is the joy that comes from the blesser, not the blessings. You see? It's joy that we get because we love God, not because he gives us stuff. Right? Third is peace. And that is we, we have this rest in the power and purpose of God, no matter where life is bringing us, whether it be good places or difficult places. There is a peace. Its opposite is anxiety, and its counterfeit is apathy. In other words, I just don't care. It seems like you have peace, but really you just don't care about anything. That's its counterfeit. Fourth is patience. That is facing trouble with peace. Its opposite is re resentment. Like, in other words, you're getting in my way of something that I want, so now I'm resenting you. I'm becoming impatient with you. Um, kindness, which is a, a, a great display of what we saw in each other, our church, recently with, with just being called to be generous to people that we've never even met before, right? Kindness is the act of generosity. It's providing what someone else needs at, at our own cost, at a cost to ourself. In other words, I'm losing something that I want because I'm giving this to this person. That's how, that's how we know we're starting to give in a costly way. We're, we're starting to miss out on things that we were hoping to do or experience because something else was more important. That's kindness. That's the act of generosity that Scripture speaks of. Its opposite is envy. Um, not only do we want what other people have, remember we talked about this last week, not only do I want what you have, but I don't, I don't want you to have it. <laughs> that's awful but we do it. I hope he loses his job, that jerk, right? I wanted that job, you know, like, uh, and then we, then we, then we spiritualize it. Well, you know, he's a bad guy. What goes around comes around, right? Like karma is going to happen or something. It's counterfeit is uh, this kindness, um, this act of generosity to serve others. Um, it's counterfeit is sort of like a selfish motivation. In other words, I'm going to give this to you because I'm going to bank that I was generous to you so that in the future when I need something from you, I'm going to cash out. So in other words, I'm, I'm doing this to manipulate you. 
I'm giving you something with, ul- with, with selfish and ulterior motives. But that is not the kind of kindness God calls us to. Six is goodness. And you know what this means? It's a little tricky with the word goodness. It means that you're the same person in public as you are in private. Right? Its opposite is hypocrisy. Right? And its counterfeit, its counterfeit is obstinance. And what I mean by that is sometimes you, you, meet, a, you meet a person and they, like, they speak whatever they want. And they say, I'm always like that, though. Okay, so you're, you're consistently a jerk. Right? That's not what this means. To be the same person as you are in private as in public means that we're exuding the character of God in general, no matter where we're at. See, faithfulness, number seven, is to be reliable and true to your word. And its counterfeit is people-pleasing. In other words, you're a loyal friend, but you never speak up when something is happening that's wrong. So you're not a loyal friend, right? So goodness, faithfulness, gentleness is humility. It's not so impressed with the self that others are treated as tools and used, and therefore they're gentle. Um, its opposite is, is to be self-absorbed and harsh toward others. Um, and its counterfeit is insecurity, feeling less than what we really are. If arrogance or pride is feeling more than what we really are, insecurity is feeling less, you see? And finally, self-control, the ability to restrain one's emotions, impulses, or desires. We don't just fly off the handle. And that's, that's who I am, right? I speak my mind. Its opposite is to be impulsive. The opposite of being self-controlled is being impulsive. Um, and its counterfeit is isolation and self-neglect. Now, you say, okay, we look at all these things, and these, these things are wonderful, but who's up to the task, right? Like, when, we, when we're really honest and we look at this, we, we might ask ourselves, when have I really sort of, like, equally experienced all of these? And I know that I have. I know that God's Spirit has given me these things, but why do I struggle to know the fruit of the Spirit so consistently? How do I grow in this? How do these fruit grow? I, I think that's the question I want to close with, with trying to answer that question. We all notice that we fall short of the fruit of the Spirit, right? And I think that too much fixation on the particular ways in which we fall short can result in self-guilt, right? And then, then it, you start trying to be like, I'm going to labor to have the kind of peace that they're talking about or gentleness that they're talking about. So I'm just going to like sort of force myself to be a gentle person today. And then we fail. Isn't that true? <laughs> we do it for like 10 minutes, and then we curse someone when they cut us off, right? So how do we grow? <clears throat> we talked about it a little bit, but let me just say it again to close, okay? The way and we grow, the way that we grow in the fruits of the Spirit is first by resting in our adoption of sons. In other words, that we are the children of God by grace. To sort of begin to delight in the fact that God looks on me as a loving father undeserved. I don't need to perform for his love. When I begin to rest in that, the fruit of the Spirit start to grow. I'm not trying to be more patient or kind or gentle or loving. I'm, I'm aiming, rather, to rest in the fact that God loves me unconditionally. Those, verse 24, though, okay, it says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. It doesn't say crucify your flesh. It says belong to Christ. 
and crucify your flesh. And here's why. Without Christ, if we cru crucify our flesh, we're just arrogant Pharisees. We boast in all the ways that we're good and, and, all, the, and all the things that we've achieved. And friends, most of the time, we'll start realizing that we can't achieve it enough. We can't be good enough or loving enough or patient enough or kind enough, right? We need first to belong to Christ before we can crucify our flesh. Trying to crucify your flesh without Jesus is impossible. God doesn't approve of us because of the apples on our tree. He approves of us because we're in Christ, in the grace and love of Christ. Remember I said don't confuse the fruit with the root. Resting in your position that Jesus has saved you by his grace and love is what produces fruit. You belong to Jesus and the fruit will grow. Secondly, the fruit of the Spirit grows when we start to smash idols. Okay, let me explain this. I've, I've kind of explained this in the past. Let me explain it again. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, underline, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does that mean, to crucify the flesh? We've demonstrated in sermons past that what that means is that we no longer live under the law. Okay? Living under the law is a way in which we lived in the flesh. What does it mean to live on, under the law? It means that we self-save. We, in other words, we have another savior that's not Jesus, and our laws in life, our mission in life, is to get that savior to save us, right? This is what, this, what, what scripture is saying is you need to crucify that, okay? When we aim to save ourselves, it means that we have another savior that's not Jesus, right? This Savior is what we lust for, what we must have. The thing that we over-desire, we talked about. It's an idol, and it needs to be smashed. It can't save you, and its rules can't save you. We don't grow by aiming to be more patient or more loving. We grow by identifying what is the false Savior that's making us impatient. Let me explain. This will make sense if it's not, hopefully. <laughs> So we don't strive to be more patient. We ask, why am I becoming impatient? See? What is it that I think I must have so much so that it is making me a grossly impatient person? Right? So for example, let's say your functional savior is academic excellence. You think, I'll be a great person in life. I'll prove myself in life with good grades. Been there? 4.0. I'm getting a 4.0. I'm valedictorian. I'm the best. That's your functional savior. So you work and you slave and you strive to get the best grades possible. And if anyone gets in your way, like that annoying guy that always sits right next to you in class, clicking his stupid pen, you become a monster. Would you stop it? Because I can't hear what's going on. You become impatient, right? You become impatient with the professor who shows up 10 minutes late. Now, now I'm not going to be able to hear what's going on. I needed information from you. Where have you been? Right? Or the traffic that made you late for school. We become impatient with all of these things. Friends, what I'm saying is that the challenge isn't to become more patient in traffic or more patient with the pen clicker. 
It's to identify why you're becoming impatient to begin with. The solution to patience in this scenario is to trust that the proof of your worth is not in your grade point average. It's in the fact that Jesus Christ has pr pronounced on you everything that you desire already by his grace. This is my beloved child and whom I am well pleased. I am proud of them. Listen to them because they're competent. You're trying to prove your competence by your grades. Jesus says you're already competent through me. I pronounce on you competence, not because you're competent, but because I am. This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. See, friends, smash the idol of academic excellence. Smash the idol of athletic excellence. Smash the idol of how many kids that you have or whether or not you're married. Smash it, friend, because as long as that's your idol, you will never have the fruit of the Spirit. You will never be patient or kind or good. It will all depend on whether or not that idol is being realized in your life. Does that make sense? Smash it. Rest in your adoption. Smash your idols and walk by the Spirit, verse 16. Okay? Keep in step with the Spirit, it says in verse 25. And that means very simply, what, is, what does the Spirit do? How do you f keep in step with him? What's the Spirit doing? How do we look like him and follow him? Well, in John chapter 16, you know what he does? He gives glory to the Son. That's what he does. That's how we keep in step with the Spirit. We give glory to the Son. We don't give glory to our accomplishments or our good grades or the fact that we're more moral than this person or that person or we've never been through a divorce or whatever, whatever you're proud of, whatever you're boasting in. Because what happens one day when you, when you lose the thing that you boast in? What do you boast in then? Nothing. That's when guilt and shame set in and there's no way out except unless you worship the real Savior instead of the false one. Amen? We need to smash our false Savior and give glory like the Spirit does to Christ who alone can save us. Now our good grades don't prove us. They're an act of worship to the real Savior, Jesus Christ. Now our vocational excellence is a worship to Jesus that gives him glory and not me. Right? Now we're no longer under the law, but under the guiding influence of the Spirit. Friends, do you want the fruit of the Spirit? I hope you do. Well, here's how you come and get it. He's your Savior. Love him and allow him to save you and nothing else, and his fruit will be produced in your life. It will. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your provision of love in Christ. Thank you for saving us and looking on us with mercy. I pray, Lord, now that you would bless us. If there's anyone that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that wants to come into your favor, friend, would you know that you cannot receive the favor of your God on your own because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You need God to be merciful to you and you need to accept Christ, his death and resurrection as the only sacrifice that will satisfy the justice of God. Be reconciled to God, friend. Trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is a free gift that he gives to you. Reach out your hands now and accept that gift. Cry out to God, I'm a saved... God, I'm a sinner. Save me through Christ. And God, for the rest of us, I pray, Lord, that we would remember our adoption and that it would lead us to be loving and kind and gentle and generous and 
good. God, we pray that you would bless now the rest of our service in Jesus' name. Amen.